You're Going to Die, the podcast is brought to you by YG2D, a 501c3 nonprofit bringing diverse communities creatively into the conversation of death and dying, inspiring life by unabashedly sourcing our shared mortality. To find out more, visit www.yg2d.com. You know what I did right before I recorded this very segment of audio? I took myself a little dose of motherwort thanks to this episode's guest. Don't you love it? I know social media is complicated and has tons of negative elements to it. I'm sure you can relate. But I want to say it's only because of social media that I've got this episode guest on the show. And so then meaningfully nestled into my life and in ways that connect to the work I do. I want to acknowledge I did take motherwort and do regularly because of what this episode's guest told me it's good for, especially for those of us that are like working with grief and working with community and caregiving. So I just want to say this is a shout out to social social media. God, well, this suddenly sounded really lame. This is not a shout out to social media. <laughs> this is, well, also, yeah, okay, maybe it deserves a little shout out. Maybe you're listening right now because of social media. But Regardless, the point I'm trying to make, I digress. Oh, and by the way, at a little more digression, this is Ned Buskirk. Welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast, your very own Creatively Conscious Mortality podcast. So glad we're here in your ear. Uh, digress, digress, digress. What I want to say is it's social media that connected me to this episode's guest. And to give myself just a moment here and acknowledge them before we jump right into this conversation to acknowledge them for using social media in healing ways because it's possible to catch us, all of us out here who are facing our mortality or going through grief or needing healing support to know that someone creative like Mara June is using social media to, to, receive us and meet us. And I want to say too, I want to acknowledge this guest for cautiously and thoughtfully approaching the possibility of this conversation. And I so respect that when a guest wants to know for sure that this is a place to show up. And I want all of you listeners to know that Mara is that kind of person. And I'm so lucky to be able to meet people because of this particular element, project, thing that we do, the podcast. And I'm so lucky to get to have conversations, by the way, that happened even before we recorded this final conversation with you. Like we had other time to connect. And so then prove, oh man, do we need to record a conversation because it's been meaningful for us to be together. In fact, we should have clicked record the first time we talked. We both felt that way and no big deal. 
it's all good. It's just the thing we hoped to feel, which is how easily we dropped into conversation together, how easily we met each other in meaningful ways. And so then so worthwhile having Mara here on the show and so glad we did finally press record and talk again to share this meaningful conversation with you. Mara June is an educator, facilitator, community weaver, writer, caregiver, death doula, and community herbalist. They're excited about plant magic, storytelling, art making, shape shifting, and dreaming together. Their death and grief care work is community oriented taking place in group settings in hopes of helping to weave deeply attuned and resource communities who love, care, dream, and create courageously in times of change and grief. I hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Mara June. When I was with my dad and his death, of course, felt and still feel broken open by that experience. But at the same time, I felt this sense of like, just res- like deep resonance of like, oh, this is what we're here for in, in life. <laughs> this is why we're here, you know, to hold each other in life and in death. Um, and, and I think getting to experience that in birth now, I just feel really lucky and, um, yeah, they're definitely different, you know, in in this case there's not a lot, there was not a lot of grief in the same way as as losing someone, but it um but just the way that the room shifts when you're like in that liminal space with someone or you're holding that space, uh loving on someone who is really going through it. Um I I find that strangely grounding. So I'm, I'm going to like mute myself because I'm just know that talking to you, I'm going to just make too much noise in response to everything you're saying. So I, I forgot that I had done that. I so can try I'm and do that too because I'm don't worry, just no, that way. Don't worry. It's good. As long as only one of us is making a lot of noise, uh, it's fine. But I think uh, the listeners don't need me like making guttural sounds and, and exclamations <laughs> while you're sharing. Um, anyway, I wonder if you just articulated something like both the experiences, the liminality of that, like birth and the edge of it, you know, the edge, the, the kind of the veil, I guess. I don't really think about, I don't know. Do you think about that with death? We hear that a lot, right? The, the, the pulling the veil back, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think birth maybe too, right? It's like similarly putting us in that space of the in-between. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I know. And I think there's, there's ways that we are really always in the liminal. And I think there are those experiences that pull back the veil of that, like to show us just, yeah, how precious and precarious life is. And, Mm um, yeah, I just, I really, I feel that I feel maybe that's the way that the veil is pulled back. It's Mm -hmm. like, we can see it. Or, you know, or we can almost see it. We can sense, sense it when we're actually present with someone who's dying or someone who's giving birth perhaps, or our own grief, like just making it more, making the liminal more palpable to Mm -hmm. us. 
What do you think? Well, I think that we just touched on too a little bit ago that there's a way maybe after my mom's death and your dad's that you described just a minute ago that we're always kind of in the liminal, you know, it's, 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 how could it not be a constant and we're not aware of it. Maybe there's people like us who've gone through that kind of loss, especially who've had our lives changed in a way, not to say that I didn't, I don't know. I want to hear from you. Like, what was it like before your dad and, and my relationship to death and dying definitely had me very like present to it at an early age. Partly I think due as I got older to being living with my mom and her cancer for 13 years had me Mm. sort of unconsciously in, in that context. Um, but I know for sure losing my mom is the life changing experience one version of it as a nutshell where that loss had me present to the, that liminality maybe more than before. Yeah, that resonates with me too. Um, with my dad, for sure. I had never seen death. I'd never been with someone through the active stages of dying and being with him in that was such a huge, um, gift. It was also extremely painful and hard. Um, and, but yeah, I feel, and then also just then living life without his physical presence, you know, like with, after his death, um, yeah, it just felt his death really felt like, and feels like this point in my life around which so much revolves now, Mm -hmm. um, where so much change has come from that and from, yeah, my love for him and, my grief for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like listeners are like, well, of course you guys, you're, you chose to, <laughs> like lifetime careers in <laughs> being yeah. in it, you know, if we, if we picked another career path, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be as, you know, cause I think that's part of it to acknowledge the choice that we want to be connected to that, that we would be drawn and compelled back to deathbed to dying yes. to the liminality. Yeah. I know for sure that's part of it for me. I feel like you're going to die emerged as a space to like make room for grief with community and loss and talk about our dead, talk about their lives and their deaths. And I know for sure there was something I was wanting to get back to by getting into hospice and getting back to the edge. Mm. Do you you relate to that? Yeah, for me, I... Before my dad died, I was in a PhD program for political science and was community organizing. And we talked about this in our previous conversation, but that work definitely felt super connected to grief, super life or death in a lot of ways, the the climate justice and migrant justice organizing that I got to be a part of. Um, And... I justice work. Yeah. It feels like such a, a endeavor that's connected to like grief and rage and yeah, like hard emotions. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. And, and I also think, you know, I was in that work in a certain way that once my dad died, I wasn't able to be in that, um, in it the same way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like functioning just in any sort of capacity was extremely hard. And so, yeah, I think like a lot of folks who find themselves in grief and trying to carry on with whatever 
societal expectations or work expectations that they have, um, it's, it's incredibly painful and hard to not have the space to grieve that, Mm -hmm. um, that I think we all deserve and need. And so I was in this PhD program and one of the ways that grief really impacted me was just also cognitively, my brain wasn't working and still doesn't really work the way that it did, um, before. Yeah. I feel like there's gotta be science behind the like nerve, nerve network getting shifted. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I've had to come to terms with that too, and kind of think about like the, the benefits of my brain moving more slowly, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so, so one of the things that I had to do was get out of that. PhD Sorry, I, love, I love that's what we've come to. So anybody update, if you haven't, if you haven't experienced significant loss, mainly what happens is you're just slower. Your brain works slower. But yeah. I know you're talking about like, uh, I, I feel like other words to put it are this kind of like, I, I mean, I would even say like a kind of presence of being a kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, even like relationship to time shifting. Um, and maybe not, maybe I'm like using yes. words. You're like, no, I didn't. No, mean. it's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's great. And I think, I just think like in our society, slowness is, is like talked about as bad. It's actually, I think really great. And it's one of the things I love about working with plants and being with others in uh, grief and others in death care, um, is that, that shared desire to, to, move slowly and tenderly mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I mean, I think about what you're, what you're doing in your life now, maybe both giving us a chance here to acknowledge like dying's hard, like being with a loved one dying is hard. Like this is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. option to have it not be hard, by the way, is just give it away, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying it's wrong when we do like, my mom's, my mom's dying kind of ended up that way by no Mm. really choice of my own, more circumstantial. And, and I would say partly in contrast to your dad, because she just wasn't, she wasn't vulnerable about it. She didn't talk about it. She, Mm -hmm. I feel like she denied it to the very end, you know? And what I feel like also you're describing with your dad, I wonder if it influences how you're in your work and why maybe too, especially, which is, the hardness, right, is, is a fact. And he, he did it generously. Mm-hmm. You know, like he gave yeah. it to you, he let you in, he talked mm-hmm. about it, you know, like, mm-hmm. do you think about the work you do with end of life and death and dying being in that conversation, like connected specifically to like that, what you just described, his graciousness, you know? Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for this question and this chance to reflect on that because absolutely. Um, I think one of, one of the aspects of my work that I feel really humbled and honored to get to do is hosting end of life care planning courses where we're in a co it's basically like a cohort of people who want to do end of life care planning in community over an extended period of time. And oftentimes these are folks who are not currently terminally ill, mm-hmm. but have lost someone recently and are thinking about ah. 
their own end of life um, in that context, or maybe they're caregiving for someone who they want to help through that process. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just so much that's possible between even strangers when we get real about our mortality um, and, and what's important to us in the face of that and what's important to us to communicate to our loved ones and having support around that, like having a group of people to be really intentionally talking about that with you and then going back and having conversations with their family and then coming and sharing how it went or didn't go. And, um, yeah, absolutely. I feel like the fact that I got to have some of those conversations with my dad, um, or just that like mutual vulnerability and trust in that process. Yeah. Um, absolutely do, informs that. Do you think, inspires that? Yeah. That makes total sense. It's like, this is an option. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you can choose this. And I wonder how often with, with your work in death and dying, you meet people maybe like you would have met me where I come, would come to you and say, yeah, I want to be that, but m- m- my dying loved one isn't giving me that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you mm-hmm. meet those dynamics in right. your work. Um, how do you meet those? Mm-hmm. I think that really... We just have to like meet people where they're at. And as much as like, we might have an idea of what a good death is like that, it gets to be up to each person. And that might look like avoiding the conversation, you know, if that, Mm -hmm. if they really don't want to have it. Yeah. Not to be forced. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which can be really hard if, yeah that means we don't get to know that person's wishes for care or, um, don't get to have some of the conversations that we might really want to. Um, yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's different. Like if I, as a, as a caregiver and doula and facilitator, who's, if I'm not connected to the, to the dying person beyond like a client, relationship, which is a meaningful relationship. But if I'm not like their daughter, you know, or their best friend, then that's my, my place is to meet them where they're at. Yeah, I think it's, it's makes okay. It easier to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think it's, you know, different if you have, you know, you are the person who is caregiving for someone who's dying mm-hmm. and trying to have those conversations. I think you still get to advocate for yourself and try to have the conversations, but also, um, yeah, just sometimes it's, it's like, it's not our death. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just decision. think with being with my mom and eventually my dad, the complexity that comes up in just the lifelong relationship, the, the resentments, the ways communication maybe didn't happen like we wanted all along. How could it all of a sudden happen now? I mean, there's that piece you hear a lot. I'm sure you have too, and it's experienced firsthand, which is this, like the, sometimes the way we die is the same way we've lived. And, and so I love that you're highlighting the opportunity. Like when I started doing hospice visits and, and volunteering with hospice after my mother-in-law died, how much room I could make going into a home to be with someone who 
did, were doing it however they were going to do it. You know, I'm not bringing in the like, but you're my mom and I want to talk about it and I want to connect. And then will you say you love me? And will you tell me what you want when you're dead? I just would walk in and take their lead like a hundred percent. And and maybe even that you're highlighting that, you know, giving us that here, you know, as much as we can. Great. I understand when you're in a, a, a relationship with someone, how much you also want and need out of that end of life informed by a lifetime of relationship that we do our best to, to, to try to maybe find support elsewhere as much as possible. And so then maybe find more ease than ever with that person knowing like with my dad, you know, I'm not going to be able to decide how it goes, you know, maybe even more so than with my mom. Um, and that matters to get right now, you know, cause I just feel that eventual, mm. like not far out with my dad at his age to get that now, again, the reminder of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. I want to know, and I think, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think another thing that is powerful about approaching these conversations when we're not necessarily already either you know, have a terminal diagnosis or someone we love does, you know, being able to talk about mortality and our wishes for our, for our care and death, um, can bring us closer in life and also make those make, it just makes it, uh, can make it a little bit slightly like easier mm-hmm. once we're actually in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's this idea that like, you can't, bring these things up until it's like definitely on the table, but we, we don't all get that option. You know, we never know how it's going to happen for us. And, um, it's just, I think it's a really, it's a really intimate thing. It can really deepen our relationships. Not everyone wants to go there and our relationships can still be deep, but I think starting when we're not in the midst of it can also be helpful. goodness the ratings and reviews are trickling in thank you all so much for those of you that took the time to go into your podcast app and rate and review the show i'm also feeling right now the eventuality approaching where there's some version of enough ratings and reviews and i believe that that's a place to get to i know it's weird to think like is there ever enough And in my life, I hope to practice some relationship with reality that has enoughness to it. And I will tell you that the ratings and reviews are a version of that for me. I feel like we're still at a stage, though, where I need to take just one moment here to say, hey, you, if you're listening for the first time and it's mattered already to you, 
and especially if you've been listening to many episodes to date, please go into your podcast app and take the few seconds of your lifetime. You're already listening to the show. Just do this while you're listening to the show. It's actually not using up any seconds of your life. You're already using seconds of your life. And in parallel, while you're using up seconds of your life already here, listening to me talk, go into your podcast app and rate and review the show. You can go into Spotify. You have the option now to go in there and do some review power magic. And you can also leave comments on the episode. Go for it. These things help elevate our visibility. Same thing with Apple Podcasts. Go in there, click a star, leave some words, let us know how the show is doing for you. And keep in mind, you doing this will eventually lead to me not bugging you about this in every episode you listen to of You're Going to Die, the podcast. Okay, I want to start with Mother Wart and Rose and then circle back. That's what I want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, this whole, my whole journey with death care has felt very held. My, my grief has felt very held by plants, in particular, Mother Wart and Rose. And those were the plants that I felt like were doulaing me as I was with my dad. And then as I was taking care of my, my dog who died later that year and then entering the pandemic with a lot of grief um, and, and just having Motherwort and Rose as allies mm-hmm. felt so deeply, again, grounding. It was just a way to access feeling held in grief and in particular, those two plants just have such powerful medicine. So motherwort, um, the, the Latin name for which is Leonardus cardiaca, uh, another name for which is lionheart or lionhearted, is just this incredible nervine that has this really relaxing effect on our nervous system can also, uh, help, help regulate a really quick beating heart, any kind of heart palpitations that are stress induced, uh, motherwort can be really helpful for, but also motherwort is often described as this plant hug. Mm. Oh man. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I, (laughs) that's what I've been feeling this week. Yeah. And they have just this long lineage of being used as uh, an herb for mothers, an herb for caregivers. And so for folks working in death care or grief care support, having an ally Mm -hmm. like motherwort can be so powerful or just for those of us in grief, having an ally like motherwort. Uh, And I love, go ahead. 
you go. Uh, I love how motherwort also energetically, besides feeling like a plant hug for me, the whole lion hearted thing really feels like they are asserting the dignity of grief. Mm. Like just really this shoulders back chin up, mm-hmm. like you get to be, you get to like roar in your grief. You get to be big with your grief or you get to feel like however your grief is, um, can be here mm-hmm. and belongs. And I think that is really powerful medicine in a society where we are, you know, told to just like get over it, to get back to work, um, to not acknowledge all the, the violence that is here and the grief that is present. Um, so I love mother work for this kind of support and Rose offers this softness that I think is so powerful. Um, And in particular, Rose, I associate a lot with the quote, strong back, soft front that I learned from Roshi Joan, Halifax. And in in her book, Being With Dying. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the medicine of Rose really grounded me in that feeling of feeling like I could maintain this softness in the face of suffering that I was watching with my dad's death, um, with my dog's death, with being in the pandemic. Um, with just like being a human in the world. I think Rose can really help us keep that softness while also feeling protected because mm-hmm. Rose also has those thorns. Right. Um, and so that feeling that strong back, that sense of support or having like a bolster in, um, I think you, you talked about like, kind of like having this frame to like lean on Mm -hmm. in grief. Um, I see Rose as such uh, carrying such powerful medicine that way. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, when I was trying to choose a name for my practice, mother were in Rose just immediately brought me into that space of feeling like resourced, feeling grounded, feeling connected Mm -hmm. and held and like kind of remembering that as humans, we've never done grief care, death, death care, any of this alone as a species really at all or alone as individuals. Um, and so it's just a way for me to like continue feeling into what it's like to feel held and try to hold that space, that loving space for others. Mm -hmm. I'm so, it's so nice to listen to you talk about all that. Um, can I put you on the spot and can you tell me the scientific name for Rose? Yeah. So the, so Rosa, and then there's a ton of different, you know, varieties. So like Rosa Damasena is one Damask Rose that is used really commonly. Um, but also, you know, you might have, like we have here an invasive Rose called Rosa, Rosa Multiflora. That's a white rose that grows in the woods here like wild, um, wild and just totally like wild yeah, right. yeah mm-hmm. it takes over mm-hmm. um but also is medicine mm-hmm. so it's just an invasive grief medicine that we have growing um but yeah there's you know there's woods rose you know all different kinds uh rosa rugosa is another one that folks use but really um so many different kinds of rose that have have medicine, but Rosa and then species. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
I, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be bouncing all over the place. Cause I have a lot of directions I want to go in. What I'm taking motherwort now. Uh, and it comes in an oil that I can like put into water or juice and drink it that way. And by the way, at any point you'd be like, don't do it that way. You need to drink the tea. I'm, I'm game for you to just say so. <laughs> but I'm wondering about rose too, you know, going and finding rose like oil oils, you know, they can be kind of expensive. And, and I'm just wondering about that. I bought petals before and had them burned like wrapped in sage. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering about, because it feels part of what I'm wanting to offer the listeners is what you already gave me, which is like, here's, here's a simple way from, you know, Mara's work and, and story in the world to take something from this episode right now. This is the kind of motherwort you should get or options for it. And here's the rose you should, I recommend, and here's how to integrate it into your self-care regimen. And mm. kind of when, you know, because part of my question is like, I just want to take this every day. And maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe it's, I should only be taking it when I'm facilitating or when I'm feeling grief stricken. I, I, I'm just wondering as much as you feel willing and want to share about like directions kind of for especially those, mm -hmm. you know, mother Wharton Rose. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I am a big fan of gentle medicine, not, um, not overdoing it. I'm, I, as far as es essential oils go, if you, you know, there are essential oils of rose, I don't personally use them, um, because they are really expensive and really powerful. You know, it takes a lot of rose to distill, to get a small amount sure. of the, yeah. the volatile oil in there. And, um, I do, you know, I do really love rose tea. I love using um, rosebuds and making a rose honey. Um, if you, you just basically take rose, rosebuds, dried rosebuds, pour honey over them. Um, and you could add, a, you could add a little bit of bourbon if you want to extract more of that, um, medicine into the honey. And then you would just, you know, let that sit for, a month or so. And then you could, you could strain it or you could not, and you could just like oh spread gosh, some yeah. rose honey on your toast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that sounds like you know, one of the ways I'm going to be. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's pretty magical. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I also just love rose tinctures. So did you say you have a mother or tincture or? Yeah. It's like a bottle that's pretty liquidy, you know, it's not oil as much yeah. as it is pretty liquidy and it must be a tincture. And, and, and it just recommends putting it into like two ounces of water or juice. And, and then yes. it says take yeah. a, two, a full dropper two to four times a day. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. This is amazing. And I'm an addict uh, yeah. and, and I don't mean, I'm not trying to uh, relate to like being an AA or, but I have the tendency yeah. to be like this great. I want it all the time, which includes like fucking ice cream. But, um, <laughs> so I'm trying to say that there's a, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I need to, yeah. it'd be nice to receive a little advice on, well, here's, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, well, first, just for listeners generally, I would absolutely, you know, do some research and or talk to an herbalist before taking something you're not familiar with. Um, and I would, I would recommend going slow, like taking a few drops of something to start seeing how it affects you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and 
yeah, just like building that kind of subtle awareness. And for those who are really sensitive and perhaps like a tincture is too strong, there are also other ways of working with these plants, like flower essences, where you're working with more of the plant on like an energetic level. Um, And also if you can't like access you know, these herbs, there's also just like the, well, one, the invitation to see who is growing around you because so many other plants besides motherwort and rose are also incredible, um, for supporting us in grief. Mm -hmm. And, and also just an invitation to like, think about all the different ways you could work with a plant without ever even ingesting them. Like if you see a rose, stopping and smelling the roses, like, yeah, that's that's really simple and maybe like cliche, but like, it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's grief medicine. It's like getting into our bodies and, um, feeling some sort of like access to pleasurable embodiment in our grief because we stopped and smelled a flower, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, is medicine mm-hmm. for our nervous systems. It's that. a way to feel held. Yeah. yeah. So I think just one huge way that plants can be a support is just by giving them our attention, like just, just slowing down to spend time noticing mm-hmm. who is around you. I appreciate that. As kind of a, a really um, small way to start that can have a lot of big shifts. Yeah. And, and I also think that, um, but yeah, if you can get, you know, if you decide that motherwort works for you and you want to take this plant regularly, you can. And same with Rose. And I, I would personally, I like to, not take a plant every single day forever. I might have like, you know, uh, a week or so that I'm like really working with a plant, unless it's a plant that I, um, you know, need, there are certain plants that are more like the benefits are over a longer period of time, but a relaxing nervine like motherwort or rose can be felt pretty immediately. Um, and so in those cases, I like to just, you know, take, take a week with a plant, take a, take a month maybe. Mm. Um, or maybe it's just an afternoon where I really feel like I need that support. That's great. Um, thanks for that. Yeah. Cause I feel like you maybe have a sense for me intuitively already when I'm sending you like a picture between when we last talked and now of a big old bottle of motherwort. And you said, what was the word you used? Like kind of like being aware of my conditions, what was the contraindications? contraindications. Yeah. Can you talk about that just a, a little bit? Yeah. I think just whenever you're getting to know a plant or starting to work with, you know, or, you know, a new medication, anything like that, you're looking at like, well, what am I taking already? What are some of the potential side effects? Who is this not necessarily good for, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> or in what cases would I not want to work with this? Um, and so, yeah, I think, just, just diving into that with whatever plants that you're interested in is, is a great practice. Um, yeah. Like for example, with motherwort, you'd said like, if you have low blood pressure or I forget what else you'd mentioned, but, um, these are the things you're talking about. Like what are your pre pre-existing conditions that might make something that is, is let's just to put it simply like lowers your blood pressure. Like you don't want your blood pressure lowered maybe. So be thoughtful about how much you take or is that a right. good way of putting yes. like a version of it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I think the other one was like, if you're taking sedative medications, basically oh, right. just 
And also, though, like I have worked with people who are just very sensitive and maybe don't have anything that's listed as a contraindication, but find that they just aren't liking how a certain sure, plant makes them attention. feel. So, yeah, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that's great. Thank you for all that. Thanks for just just being really good at considering all the ways someone might meet a new element uh, um integrating a new element like this into their, into their life. I, and, and I'm just unabashedly like using this time to like get your herb. <laughs> like, are you, you're going to like charge me. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm appreciating it and I'm appreciating it because I've been talking about it a lot with others and felt really it, like, of course, we're going to talk about mother Wharton Rose, you know, and yeah. I want people to leave this conversation and know, of course, like you said, limitless options, maybe just to keep it in the herbal context and plants. But what mattered so much that I got from connecting with you is, is something as simple as here's a direction to take, like here's an action to take around something that's a major part of my life. And, and just being sort of dumbfounded that I'd not ever heard about it or had it recommended. And so it, it feels like, of course, the fitting thing to cover here as a version of that. And, uh, and that people listening might be able to go check it out. Like I did. Um, I'm loving that, that that's something that happens out of this episode. Me too. And the story, which I want a little more of, which is when you started taking mother war and maybe Rose, when your dad was dying, is that, were you? Yes. And how did that come to be? Had you already been in relation with herbs and plants for years up to that point? What What's that part of the story? So I, the year that my dad was dying, I was in a, um, a year long herbal herbalism course, mm-hmm. community herbalism course. Mm-hmm. And so I was held by like that, that container, yeah, that learning gosh. community container. Um, but I've been very lucky to have certain relationship with certain herbs before taking that class and with flower essences. Um, and, and then I actually met mother wart because before I, like years before I took this class and started my herbalism, herbalism studies. Um, I just, I like heard my two friends outside my window one day and I looked out and they were planting a mother wart plant just outside my window. Yeah. And we're like, we just learned about this plant. You're going to need them. <laughs> That's the first time. Yeah. Now, I got my version time. of that from you and this is yours. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's just such a gift to be mm. like gifted this plant. That's right. Um, from some in others that, way. that care about you that you care about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with motherwort in particular, the memory that really stands out for me was right after my dad died. My mom looked at me and said, like, my heart is racing. It's Mm. beating out of my chest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like quickly, I went and I quickly grabbed my motherwort tincture and shared it with her. Oh my gosh. And she said she felt, you know, she felt her heartbeat stop doing that Mm. and and slow down Mm -hmm. and get more calm. And she said, it felt like she was getting a hug from, you know, of course I'm hugging her, but she said she (laughs) felt like she was getting a hug from the plant Mm -hmm. or a hug from my dad or a hug from like the universe in some way in that after taking Mm -hmm. the mother word. And I had not told her that that you hadn't said that. No. Oh my gosh. 
So that, that experience was just like another, another experience where, yeah, someone expressed my mom in this case expressed feeling held, feeling actually held, Mm -hmm. um, by this plant and, or perhaps it was my dad or, you know, his spirit, or maybe it was both, but, um, yeah, I think so, but it was really powerful. So yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit more on, on my, my story of coming into a relationship with mother war and realizing how powerful they are. I'm so glad to get that from you. And I love, by the way, Mara, how much I'm like, listening to you talk about these plants and herbs like people uh you even said earlier you said so it's good to just think about who's growing around you Mm. now i'm making it clear that maybe you meant like who's growing what around you like people but but i heard you as this is who's growing around you you're talking about the plant like community and you're talking about that we've have not grieved alone and died alone for thousands of years because we've been with this, these, this community right? so often and maybe less now than ever in some, some ways in our culture now, maybe in less Mm -hmm. ways than ever. But, but is that right? Is that like the way you are just sort of naturally talking about the plants and herbs? Yeah, that's, that's, um, for me, it feels really important to look, to try to look at the world this way. And, you know, I think that indigenous cultures have, you know, done an incredible job stewarding this knowledge. And it's a complicated, you know, violent history of that knowledge being appropriated as well. Um, and also at the same time, just like how powerful it is to remember that we can try to reorient towards the, towards the world, even if we don't have intact indigenous cultures in ways that actually recognize the sacredness of every living And, um, to try to like make that a part of our language when we can. And so for me, it feels really good to talk about plants as other beings, Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what I was picking up on. And I'm glad that your response wasn't, no, I meant like who, like your neighbor is your neighbor. (laughs) Um, and I'm receiving them in that way and feeling the mother wart new relationship. Uh, Mm -hmm. and by the way, like, not that we're at a point in our friendship yet where you're giving hugs out readily, like if we ran into each other, but like feeling like what your friends gave you and what you gave your mom is this Mm -hmm. like hug lineage too. You know, like Mm -hmm. it is a, it is a mix. It was your, it was your dad. It was you and it was the plant and boy, we need that much of a hug when we're broken and heartbroken and grieving, you know, we need that much hugging. It's so beautiful. Yeah, we do. And it, you know, it's interesting then thinking about your question about social media, because for me, I feel like so much of what I'm trying to do in my work, even, even on social media is like, yeah, it is hold that space at, um, is try to like channel what, or, you know, what I've been able to experience with these plants and with other, other people who have really shown up for each other and like held one another in grief to be able to like do that even in a weird pocket of the internet Yes, (laughs) and like, um, and yeah, to do that with silly little things like memes and to still, yeah, to just like try to, um, create space 
wherever we can for grief to be welcomed. best way to get connected is through Instagram at Mother Wart and Rose. I'll link that up in the show notes. You can also sign up for grief spells, love notes to other shapeshifters, a seasonal newsletter, love letter to other grievers, and classes in herbalism for grief support, end-of-life care planning, and plant folklore magic and art for grief support. You can go to all get all these things at motherwartandrose.com, which also will be linked in the show notes. Nick Jaina. Hi. Hi. I did watch Smart List documentary. <laughs> and I want to talk about it briefly. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> oh, I mean, can I just say, everybody, if you've listened to Smart List, it is cool if you like uh, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Whoa, Hayes. Wow. Yep. This is. Well, it actually, it, you'd ask me what I, you were curious to know what I thought about the documentary. And it's on HBO. It's like a six episode series. And it's really like them eating a lot and then going to <laughs> interview. <laughs> famous people um, on their private jet. Um, and I guess, first of all, just to be white and privileged and famous, boy, how easy does it make things? Um, and I also want to acknowledge like maybe someone's feeling out there, like how hard it is to be human at all and work and be successful and also be human. And so whatever, like, I know it's all complicated, but just from the perspective of someone producing a podcast, like one I care about deeply and love doing with you, Nick, it, it's just wild to see someone with like sort of limitless resources do mm -hmm. very quick, immediate, like, great. We've got Keanu Reeves on the show. Great. Now we have that private jet to go to an amazing city and have another, you know, great Conan O'Brien, whoever fill in the blank, just pop up on stage with us. We're just like, we're literally just sitting around, you know, talking like we do every day. Um, I, I love laughing cause they're funny and yep. I just enjoyed that 
and all these things I'm obviously hinting at were coming up while I was watching the documentary about like, God damn, I don't want a private jet and I wouldn't fly in one, but it would be so nice to have some of these resources at hand for us doing what we do. And I'll still do it. I don't care how hard it is. I love it. Well, how would you paint the you're going to die private jet? What would you put on it? I really want to be clear that I wouldn't <laughs> put it up there. I could because if I did put something on it, be like, you're going to die because people like me are flying fucking private jets around the planet <laughs> and ruining the planet because, you know, so that's yeah. probably what I put on there. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just I, I, I like some awareness around all the things that you're talking about. But um, I, and I, I, I like listening to the podcast and I like, yeah. you know, laughter and like spontaneous laughter. And they're all very funny. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it was kind of shocking, I guess, when I was watching it. I was like, oh, there's not like that much awareness just around like why this is all happening. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah cause we're already famous and they, they earned it. They're funny. They're talented. You know, yeah. we're already famous and we get the most famous, funny people. And I just thought it was really interesting. They had that scene where they asked like just an astrophysicist. That's not Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, yeah. You know? That's an interesting episode. Um, and the crowd kind of was like walking out because they knew that Conan O'Brien was at the first show mm -hmm. and um, there were like, it was Boston <laughs> and they were just like uh, unruly. And then they like kind of scrapped future guests that were at all not as accessible. And it just yeah. made me think like, I get it. I understand. But like, do we just, are we just Is that all we're doing? only interested in like 40 funny, famous people uh -huh. to ever hear from. And we hear about how they got an SNL and what, how their nanny is and mm -hmm. um, how often they see their kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, is that all the substance that we're moving towards? You yeah, know, like right. I, I, I get the respites in our day and just the, 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 the chance to laugh, but um, I don't know. We can Which we could out. stand <laughs> to learn from, you know, like maybe we offer that somewhat regularly, just us joking around and laughing at the end. And, and I just recorded another interview for another episode where there was a lot of laughter and just feeling that, that, and that's really what I appreciate maybe well, more than anything with smart. List here's is the issue funny, for me entertaining. Yeah. Here's the issue for me. It's not, not just like a diversity of guests for its own sake or for some virtue, but like mm. uh, it's an enrichment. Like like when you're when all you hear is like funny people who've made it and are famous and rich and have a nanny and private right. jets, it does create this constant wanting of just like, why don't I have that? Like you're I haven't lived right. up to that. When you listen to Richie Reseda, who's extremely humble and has been to actual jail and is like working to like you know, improve the lives of people and like working for justice, you feel like one, like your ass kicked, like shit, I need to do more stuff. But also too, like I'm, I'm doing okay. Like I'm, yep. I, I thank God I've like avoided jail and I have that privilege and, you know, like thank mm -hmm. God I've like got some things together and like this guy is inspiring, you know, like that to me just has a great value. So I've, yeah, I'm absolutely. glad that we're doing that. I'm glad that you're finding those guests and talking to them and that we're presenting that. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I would just add curiosity. I have, like, I think we've talked about before, but just this culture selling, we did talk about this, you know, we went out, when we went out to dinner, I was telling you like, God, the amount of like media TV shows and movies that are about like the person who breaks, breaks into fame mm -hmm. and, and like the ongoing onslaught of that. And that, what you're describing is a version of 
look at look at what it is to really make it you know yeah. and and i like that they had some like thoughtfulness around the complete that episode's pretty cool i think and like these egotistical and that's just being human like performers always wanting to look good and do well and what it means to like not and how it can just be completely like leveling for for someone like that who spent a life chasing this kind of you know visibility of success um and then what i'm curious about too is the inclination like richie and by the way, Richie Reseda is on another episode that we highly recommend um, a few eps back. Uh, definitely check it out. But the version of human being that's like, look what I've, this is something we talk about. Look what I've done out of a lot of struggle and hard work, you know, and suffering maybe even. Look at the meaning I've made out of it. Look at the, you know, it risks that line a little bit. And I wonder if somehow the the power to do that with a lifetime has blended into like somehow mixed, uh, unhealthily with this, like, well, fame is that, you know, like somehow our culture has taken the thing that actually it is to be human, right? Maybe making meaning out of what's difficult, what's hard, what it means to survive and thrive eventually, hopefully. Um, and, and give that back to others, hopefully in medicine to make life have more meaning too for them. Uh, that there's something about that we have a human inclination to do that and capitalism and success and fame and Hollywood is like taking that and been like, here is what it looks like. Yeah. You know, um, that's just, just sort of a heady, heady reflect reflection on, on maybe where the, the intersection is. Um, and it's good to talk about it. Yeah. Because, uh, I'm, I, I'll end with what I said earlier, which is like, whatever, smartless. I'm glad I'm here with you doing this, you know, like it matters so much to me to produce these episodes and have conversations like the one with Mara and, and to get something out of it that isn't just laughter, but that it's like maybe emotional catharsis. And for example, in this episode, meeting Mara gave me a definitive like self-care routine that I know is definitively helping me, you mm. know, um, the mother wart, uh, reference I mentioned at the beginning, we talk about a little bit of, of Mara's work with, with herbs and, um, you know, like taking an herb like motherwort and specifically that herb as a caregiver, uh, herb and that it actually scientifically settles the nervous system, especially the heart, you know, that's, that's nervous system. Sorry. That's probably not any of the language Mara used, but that it actually can help with high blood pressure and, and slowing down a, you know, like a fast heart and knowing so commonly with me, like you've heard, you know, more than most, what it feels like going into a show, going, going into holding space, going into San Quentin, going into the hospital, getting that like moment with Mara and saying, wait, what? Like, tell me about mother Ward. I knew I, we were going to talk about it because mother Ward and Rose, but when I knew Rose a little bit in the kind of burning petals and what it means to do that as sort of an incense in a space that is especially holding grief, but the mother Ward, I just had no idea. And so immediately, you know, within two days of talking the first time, the first conversation we had before the podcast conversation, I was like, I got to get a bottle of that. And I do, mm -hmm. I take, I take a little bit of it every day. And usually I take it right before I go facilitate. Mm -hmm. And it feels, even if it's the ritual, maybe that helps and matters 
just knowing that, you know, the intention, another moment, like lighting a candle doesn't do anything to me, but actually having it as a, a touchstone before I hold a cancer patient workshop and have it lit the whole time, that fire, it centers me, you know, having it there mm-hmm. regularly, the familiarity of that presence, it grounds me. And so maybe it's that. And I do think it has an impact on me physically taking the mother wart, you know? So mm-hmm. that was a big get from meeting Mara. Yeah. I listened to that interview and then I was out the other day and just having a really hard, hard time and like, just um, kind of like incoming negative thoughts and anxiety. And I just like stepped outside and walked around the corner and I saw a rose bush. Oh yeah. yeah. And I thought of uh, (laughs) Rose and just how it's like, uh, to help you calm down basically. Mm -hmm. And I just like took that extra minute to like look, look at the rose and like pull it close and smell it. And even just the way that it has, you know, thorns, like how Mm -hmm. it has to like protect itself, Mm -hmm. even as it's there to help, you know, Mm -hmm. is such a great encapsulation of what I see in the people in my life that are helpers who still have to be on guard because Mm. there's something so threatening in this culture about people that are like, here's medicine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People are like, whatever, witch, like what, what is this woo woo <laughs> bullshit? You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's here, real. Here's a plant that grows in the ground that can help <laughs> whatever you witch. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not right. as, it's not going to be as strong mm. as like a pharmaceutical drug that mm-hmm. you take. It's not going to knock you on your ass. It just might help you calm down. You also have to participate in it. You also have to try, you know, yeah. how threatening that is to some people. And I was just looking at that rose bush and thinking that same thing. Mm. just like, but so grateful to just be in a, such a bountiful place where that's just literally just there. Like, yeah, it's not, I don't have to pay for it. It's just there. Mm-hmm. I can just smell a rose bush. I mean, it, it sounds so cheesy, but yeah. like, it really is amazing. Like the, the medicine that is around. I mean, it's a been it's been a bit since I talked to Mara for this, this episode's, you know, um, recording, but I do think like you just acknowledged a little bit, the simple, relationship to that physical living thing, the reminders of the thorn, the reminders of the fragrance, the gentle petals, the fragile petals, um, the flower in general too, you know, like just in general, the, the like life. And, and what I always think about is the more fragrant, the closer it is to dying or the more it's dying, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as things transition from fragrant Mm -hmm. and, and lovely, it's like pushing up into the edge of starting to sort of, you know, become putrid and decay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but just the, like we talk about, I think you and I have talked about, and you've heard me talk about it in the spaces we facilitate the like, listen, you know, when I tell you your dead are here, it doesn't have to be as a ghost. It doesn't have to be as like a spirit from heaven. They don't need to be an angel, but I'm telling you right now, like I said to the guys in San Quentin last night, we made a little moment, you know, like we do where we had a minute of quiet and we just all named our dead. And it was really, really incredibly potent to share that with them. And I reminded them that it's just that simple. When I tell you about my mom and that she's here with me right now, you're dead line up like me too, you know, like, please, it's just that simple. They're already on your mind. They're already in your heart. And so with the rose, it's like, it's just being with that thing. Like, what are those little elements that you can source and get present to that reflect a part of who you are or who you want to be or what you need, mm-hmm. which I love. So I, I appreciate that you putting it into those terms, too. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go smell a rose. <laughs> 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Glad you're here. Glad to be in your ear. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye, Nick. Bye. 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 <laughs>